0: Welcome to the Connecting Place podcast. Here is Pastor Joe Caminetti. This week's all about stressless marriages, and God wants the stress taken out of our marriages, and marriage is an interesting thing. Um, this This November, Gene and I will be married 30 years, so uh, our marriage is at a height, and it's better than it's ever been, and I think of our beginning years, and I look back, and I remember walking through those years, and I was one of those guys that fell head over heels in love with my wife. The first time I saw her, I was like, oh, I got to meet this girl, and just adored her, and we got married, and then I discovered you can love somebody and be really mad at them at the same time, and I realized you can really fight with somebody you love, and um, and then I went through times and she did too. I'm, you know, last night after I taught, uh, she said to me, she said, you know, you can tell on me, you can tell stories about me. And I, cause when you're teaching, you don't, you don't want to tell stories about your wife. You, you just pick on yourself. She said, you need to tell stories about me or people are going to wonder, you know? And so I said, okay, I'll tell more stories on you, uh, today. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll try to equal it out, uh, and, and tell the, the same amount on both of us, but, um, there were times when uh, I made her so frustrated and we'd go days and weeks. And I was, I'm one of those people by nature that I enjoy stewing over something. And uh, so I, I could wait weeks to talk about something. I enjoyed the process of just being angry about it. And, and uh, that was fun to me. And, and uh, my wife's the total opposite. She doesn't want a loose end anywhere and she wants to fix things now. And so we were exact opposites, and uh, we went through years of frustration, just total frustration in our relationship. And we loved each other, so it's kind of weird. You love the person, but you're frustrated. And what I learned is, if you don't deal with the things, and I've learned this through counseling, eventually you're going to put walls up, and you're going to shut down, and that person you love, you're going you're to end up just coming to a place to where you can walk away from each other. And I watch that happen over and over again with couples, and it's really sad. So this is a time that I'm really excited about to be able to open up and, and share with you. And I tell on myself a lot, and this happened many years ago. Our young, we have four kids. Our youngest just, just turned 22. And so this is when we only had two kids. We didn't even have the two girls yet, our two daughters. And uh, we had that all-night fight, I, which I shared in a service one time. And we started on Saturday night, and right around 6 a.m. in the morning, we, we fought the whole night. And we couldn't settle this problem when we were both pushing each other's button and we're both losing control. And, and I ran right around, I don't know, 5, 6 o'clock, I was so upset, I punched a wall as hard as I could in our bedroom. And I did it between the studs, so my fist went all the way through the wall. And now I have this big hole. But here's the worst part. I had to take a shower without sleeping, without having closure on the fight, and come in and do the two weekend service, Sunday morning services. So here I am preaching on Sunday morning after having had that night, knowing my wife's at home upset with me, knowing I'm not happy with the fact we didn't settle everything. And then I had to drive home. That was a long drive home, and I'm wanting to fall asleep, and I'm mad, and I'm angry. And my wife was so sweet. When I arrived home, she said, why don't you take a long nap? And then we'll we'll, we'll talk about this later. And we did. And we got through it. But what we learned is her and I came into the relationship with baggage. But we didn't come into the relationship with tools. And we we had to learn what we're teaching you. I had to learn these skills. And so I say that so you don't feel bad. And you don't walk out of here feeling bad about yourself. Um, because some of you are in here and you've had marriage failures maybe more than once and I want to make sure you know that hey this is time for you just to put it all together and get things right now and some of you come in here in very volatile situation with your marriage and I want to give you hope I spoke at a conference this past week in Dallas Texas it was a leadership conference and so I spoke, and there were other ministers, and I was sitting in one of the meetings where my friend was ministering, and I really wanted to hear this message because, oh, about 11 years ago, he had this 8,000-member church in another state, just an incredibly successful pastor, and uh, he had an affair, and everything crumbled, but he did all the right things. He stepped down. He had ministers help him. He went and sat in a church where he was restored. And now I'm hearing him teach about 11 years later, and now he's in another state with another huge church, but he put his life together, and he was teaching on how God restores people, and God restores us to, you know, give our hearts to him, and us that repent and humble ourselves, and he made a statement that just really blessed me, and I I want to re-listen to his message again. That's how good it was, but he talked about if this is where you're at before you blow it in any area, we're talking marriage now, but in any area, and, and, and you fall and you're down here, Bible restoration isn't bringing you back to where you were. Bible restoration throughout the whole Bible, cover to cover, is when you fall, God always restores you to a higher place. He did that with Job. He did that with all the Bible characters. And I was just standing there so blessed, and I thought, that that's absolutely true. And to see this guy having been restored, whose life was torn apart, and it was his fault, but then he also they him and his wife lacked these skills, which opened a lot of doors. And and so I, I say to everyone in this room, man, God is a God that can give us the tools to make what marriage the marriage we're in to work. And I stand before you as a guy who adored my wife, but still had to learn these skills and it was in times of great frustration at different times in our marriage and my wife would be the same towards me so a couple years ago I saw this stat and it blew my mind it absolutely shocked me and here's the stat in the United States 17% of all divorces that occur are due to adultery on the part of either or both parties 83% of failed marriages have nothing to do with adultery now here's why that blew my mind from my perspective as a pastor I would have said that that number was 60% plus of marriages fell because of adultery. When I saw 17, I was shocked, and I thought, wow, this is really fixable. Marriages are really, really fixable, and that 17 percent's kind of high because uh, especially on the woman's part, for sure, uh, they would never commit adultery if, if, if the husband treated them with with the respect that they need, and they would never go that direction where men might have a tendency, some men, to go that direction a little uh, quicker. Now, I thought what Diana, uh, Diana Mercer said was so cool. She said this, marriages fall apart through erosion. It's not just one event. The breakdown starts slowly and proceeds with one tiny misstep after another until the sum of these becomes so large that the relationship collapses and i've learned that from experience and you want to talk about stress in a marriage here's where the stress comes things are not dealt with and when things are not dealt with great stress is produced and if there's one thing i can help you walk away with today encourage you to remember is not to allow things to sit and i'm going to show you why with some scriptures in a moment but to be to be confrontive in a good way and say, you know, I should say assertive and say, we're going to fix this. We're not allowing this to sit because if you allow it to sit, it's going to cause so many problems and you don't have to sit in that state. You can, you can change the state of your marriage one way or another. Things can be changed and it's important for you to know that. So uh, listen to this quote. I kind of like this quote. Marriage is God's way of keeping us from fighting with strangers. And uh, that's one, one good way to look at marriage. And I can say that has been true in our lives. Um, here, here's what I want you to never forget. Marriage stress is the result of unawareness. And there's four areas of unawareness. If you and I aren't aware of how to, uh, the principles work in this area, if we don't work these four areas, then we're going to have an incredible amount of stress. And that's good news because we can learn these things. We can grow in these particular areas just so... The first one is this, marriage stress is the result of communication on awareness and this is something I lacked greatly in, terrible at communicating. I grew up with six brothers, no sisters, so seven boys. My mom was kind of quiet so we never really learned what, how women were because she, she didn't show us a whole lot of ups and downs or emotions, she was real steady. And then I got married and I had never had sisters and I didn't understand girls. And it's like, I was shocked at uh, how different a woman thinks than a man. I absolutely shocked. And, and uh, I had to learn things that I didn't know. And our family was not a communicating family. So uh, we just didn't talk things through. And, and so I could go again for weeks and months and not talk about something where my wife was the complete opposite, so I really had to learn. The reason I put this at number one is because if you and I can communicate, not just for marriage relationships, but for every relationship, so if you're here and you're not married, this is going to help you just just because you're going to learn communication skills. Man, if we can learn to communicate, we can fix just about any problem that there is, so it's just an absolute skill that we must develop. I, I like what this guy said. He said, after about 20 years of marriage, I, I'm finally starting to scratch the surface of that universal question, What do women want? I think the answer lies somewhere between conversation and chocolate. <laughs> and and, and uh, conversation's definitely there. Chocolate's a, a close second for sure. Now, here's why I think communication is so important. And here's why I think you have to be assertive with it and make sure it happens. Ephesians 4:26 and 27 say this. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. It gives him a place in your life. You know, Imagine a, a woman's in an apartment and a man knocks on her door. And she opens the door and he puts his foot between the door and the door jamb. And he says, I want to come in. And she says, no, but she can't shut that door because he has his foot. He has a foothold. And he has access into that apartment. And the Bible is saying, if we don't learn to deal with anger or frustration, and if we don't deal with it quickly, it's giving the enemy a foothold in our life. And notice the latter part of verse 26. Don't allow the sun to go down while you're still angry or frustrated. And as I told you already, that's something I enjoyed doing, but it gives the devil, the enemy, so much place in our life to put thoughts in our mind and, 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 and to just make us really, really bitter, and we'll talk about that in a moment. So what God's saying is deal with things quickly. Deal with your frustrations quickly. Men, don't sit on it. Ladies, don't sit on it. Bring it out in the open and say, we need to talk, and can I say something else to you? This is really important. Sometimes you may need a third party to assist you. Gina and I had a situation. This is only like three years ago. We could not agree with it. We, we could not come to agreement. And uh, I told her, no, I don't agree with you. I'm right. And we did it all nice because we've learned to communicate and say the right things. And, 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 and then she'd, she'd say, no, I, I, I think I'm right. I don't agree with you. And so she looked at me. She said, let's go talk to a marriage counselor and uh, I said, okay, I said, let's do it, and I picked a guy, I figured, I, I, I've, got, I've got a little extra on my side if it's a guy, and, and so we, <laughs> we go in there, and we open up, and I say, I tell my side, she tells her side, and then he brings it all to a conclusion, and he goes, your wife's right, you're wrong, <laughs> like, man, I should have went to a lady counselor, man, what's wrong with you, so, uh, but, but it, it settled it for me, I had to hear a third party that I respected, look at me and say, you know what, your wife is right on this, and, and I, just, I just felt I needed to go a different direction in a certain area, and she felt I shouldn't go that direction, and I said to the counselor, I said to my wife, I said, okay, that's what I needed. I needed somebody else to tell me that, that I was wrong, and, and, and I made the shift that I needed to make, so sometimes we need somebody to help us get over the humps. Now, here's what happens if you don't communicate. Uh, Hebrews 12, 15b, says this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And uh, if you don't deal with resentment, with anger, with frustration, it will turn into bitterness. And bitterness, man, it just bubbles up out of you. It will impact your kids. Even if you never say anything bad about your mate, it will get on them and it will get on all kinds of people. And it will tear you apart, and it will take your joy away and your quality of life away. And so that's why I say communication is the most important thing. Now, this is, this is on the PowerPoint on the website or on our BC app. I have four communication mistakes to avoid, and I went through all these mistakes, and and, and, and uh, the four big ones, and told you what they did, and, and told you how to avoid them, and gave you examples, but I just couldn't fit it into this lesson, but I thought, I'll keep it on the website. I also have a in danger of divorce test. It has eight questions. You can go on the website and take it. I had a lady today after first service. She said, hey, my friend called me last night and said, wait till you take that test, in danger of divorce test, and, and, and uh, she said, you didn't do it today, and, and you'll hear what I say at the end. She said, She said, you cut that out so you could talk more about sex today, and and I just start laughing. I said, yeah, you're kind of right, I said, and and you'll understand why I said that and why she said that because she nailed me, but I said I had to, but you can take that test uh, online too, so just go to our website or on our app, and uh, that'll come up tomorrow, I think, or uh, Tuesday for sure. So I want to talk about, in communication, three positive communication principles. And the first one is the principle of positive response. This is something I had to learn, and I've I've become skilled at it. My wife's very skilled at it. It, And it just simply goes like this. The responder has all the power. Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And the next time your mate comes at you in, a, in an aggressive way. They say something that hurts you or makes you mad. At that moment, you have the ability to throw water on the fire or gasoline. And for all the guys, we've, we've all thrown ga- real gasoline on real fires just to see what would happen. And, uh, and, and you can do that with a conversation. And, and the, the power is in your hands. It's just in your hands. And, and you can do it. And in, in our early marriage um, Gina would just sometimes go off on me and, and, and I would just look at her and say, you're acting like someone in junior high. And that didn't go over well. Um, then she'd come back at me and, and, and I, I would just throw fuel. I just keep throwing wood on that fire and gasoline. And, and, and eventually I learned a secret. And uh, I've learned that man, uh, I can respond a certain way to actually bring peace to the situation. Gina's real skilled at this and I'll have some days where I just come at her for whatever reason and she'll just make a comment. Sometimes she'll joke and it just takes the, it just takes all the meanness and the nasty out of me. It's like, it's like she threw a bucket of cold water on me and it's the most amazing thing. So I want you to know you can grow and have this power, not just in marriage, but with your boss, with your kids, with your employees, to where you can say what you need to say and be as assertive as you need to be but also say it in a way that you literally put the fire out. And uh, guys, sometimes I, I joked about this in first service, not sure how it ever goes over, but uh, Gina gave me permission. But, but but sometimes every now and then, it, for me it's the 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th of every month, sometimes your wife might come at you a little differently than she normally does. <laughs> and, and uh, my daughters used to get so mad at me growing up because there were days when I just looked at them and said, "Isn't that special time?" And then they go, "Dad!" I go, "If it is, if it is, we'll just deal with this another day." Okay, so uh, <laughs> all right, I had to do that for the men. I, the man, I owe you something. All right, here we go. Principle number two: the three positive communication principles. Principle of proper timing. Uh, when you say it is as important as how you say it. Uh, Proverbs 15:23 says, "Everyone enjoys a fitting reply." It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And this is really, really important. So probably every lady in this room that's married has learned on Super Bowl Sunday, you don't, you don't tell your husband, I, I wanna talk about something. That's just not the time, that would be bad timing. But this works in all so many ways. It works for us guys, it works for us ladies. And, and because my wife doesn't like loose ends in any situation, this is an area where she had to really work on. And I remember one day uh, our kids were young and we're, uh, we're trying to get to an event at church. So I'm hosting the event and it's a fellowship and we have to be there and we're in our family room and I want to get to the car and drive. And, and we had something come up and she, she just brought this thing up and I'm like, honey, can we talk about this when we get home? She said, no, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna settle right now. I said, honey, we'll be late. She said, I don't care. She said, "I just won't go. If you don't talk about this, I won't go." And I said, "I said we can't. I said we don't have enough time. It's going to take so long that the event will be over by the time we talk about it." So a thought came to my mind. I said, "Honey, I said look, look, behi- look at the window." And she looked out the window. And I said, "You see that? You see see the window?" She said, "Yeah." I said, "If a tornado funnel was coming at this house, I said you would stand here and finish this conversation, wouldn't you?" I said, I want you to know, I would jump into the basement. I said, I am not, I would run. And, and she started laughing, and I said, Honey, there's just, this is not the time and place to talk about this. And so it kind of broke the ice. She got in the car, and, and we talked about it later. Timing is really, really important. When to bring something up, when not to bring something up. And for myself, I prefer if someone's going to tell me something. They don't make me wait another 50 hours before we can f- talk about it. So timing, it's just good to say it when you're able to talk about it and so on and so forth. Here's principle number three. I stunk at this. Still work on it. It's the principle of mirroring and make sure you heard your mate correctly by repeating what you think you heard. And if you're still a little ADD, this is a problem for us. Uh, Proverbs 22:17 17 says this. Pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. Now, that's the Bible, but... Whenever anyone's talking to us, shouldn't we really engage and listen? And that's something I have to make myself do. I'm not really good at it because right while she's telling me something, the first thing she said, I'm thinking about a comeback. I'm thinking about how to defend myself from what she just said. And then I'll take it the wrong way and I won't really hear what she said because I really didn't listen because I'm figuring out my comeback. And, and uh, it causes fights you don't even have to have. And we end up having two or three fights about other things that we never even had to have because I didn't understand how to mirror. And, and so mirroring's real simple. First of all, you engage. You really listen and say, okay, what are you saying? Okay, 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 yeah, so that's what you mean? Okay, and then you repeat it back. You say, now, is this what you said? And you have to be willing to have them say, no. And then you say, okay, say it again. And then they say it again. And I had that concentration problem, so I, I'll say, this time I'll listen even harder. And, uh, and, and, th- and then I'll say, now, so this is what we're talking about? Then you actually deal with the right problem and you don't start other fights over things you never had to fight over. So it's really, really a tremendous skill. Gina is so good at it. I watch her do it all the time in meetings, and and, uh, and I tend to just jump the gun and start giving answers before I should. So this is a technique that will really, really help your marriage, and I could go on and on. I encourage you to go online, check out those four things that I talked about, but let's talk about this next one. Marriage stress is the result of financial unawareness, and we're going to deal with a whole lesson on financial stress next week, so I'm not gonna touch this. I did have a quote that I found humorous, and it goes like this. In many instances, marriage vows would be more accurate if the phrase were changed to, until debt do us part. (laughs) And uh, I'll tell you what, finances are a huge stress in marriage, so there's some incredible truth to that, guys. So we'll talk about that next week, and it will also help your marriage. And then the next one is, marriage stress is the result of scheduling on awareness. And we dealt with that last week. I do want to say one thing, especially to young couples, but for all of us, when our kids were young, there's, there's a couple things we lacked. Money was one. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, you're just starting in your career, so you don't have money. So it's hard to pay a babysitter. It's just you don't have the money to do it. And so because of that, it's hard to go out. And then, you know, when we went out, it was like, let's go get a cup of coffee. And we had this place where we liked their French silk pie. And and we'd sit and we'd talk. But here's how we solved it. Gina's sister was living here at the time. And it it could have been a friend just as soon as her sister. And a couple nights a month, we would watch their kids and they'd go out. A couple nights a month, they would watch our kids and we would go out and that was free. So for those of you that are couples and you're young, you know, ha- find a friend, a couple you're friends with, and, and say, hey, let's let us switch off. Now, if you have seven kids and they have one, they may say no. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you understand why they're saying no to you. Um, but if it's kind of a normal situation, it really works. And for all of you guys that are out there um, and all of us that are married, Jean and I make it a point to have date, date nights or date days and... Uh, we try at least twice a month to really have a time where we just hang out, whether it's at night or through the day. And we just sit and we talk, we do things together, we go to a movie together. That keeps the romance alive, and it's really, really important. So you have to schedule your mate into your schedule. Don't become too busy to where you can't do that. Here's where I want to close out today. Number four, marriage stress is the result of essential needs on awareness. And uh, this is huge if we can meet each other's needs it changes everything and I like this quote marriage is the process of finding out what kind of man your wife would have preferred and uh (laughs) because we know wives are going to try to change their husbands and over the years Gina's had to you know try to change me and 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 I had a ton of rough edges so I would tell her yeah you know I don't mind you trying to help knock the rough edges off because I had tons but but I used to look at her and say you know what that's a guy thing, I'm not changing, I'm staying a guy. And I would frustrate her, and I'd just say, I'm staying a guy, I'm staying a guy. I'd, I'd say some things in messages, and I'd go home, she said, you shouldn't say that. I go, honey, that's why we have as many guys in our church as ladies, because I'm a guy. I said, if I, if I feminize myself, the guys aren't gonna wanna be part of this church. They want a pastor that's a guy. And, and uh, so we, we'd have these talks, and then she read this book, uh, which was called, Why Men Hate Going to Church and it changed, it changed her on this, this area. She, she came to me and apologized. She said, I've been wrong all these years. She said, thanks for, for acting like a guy, because and, uh, and, she found out that men hate church when the, the pastor feminizes church. I mean, guys want church to have guy things included in church. So, um, But on the other side, I'll tell you what, I appreciate her confronting me on issues that weren't just guy issues, and she appreciates when I've confronted her, and we'd help We've helped each other grow. I like this quote. Success in marriage does not come merely through finding the right mate, but by being the right mate. And this this can change everything if your determination is, I just want to be a good wife, or I just want to be a good husband. And for friendships, I just want to be a good friend. To where you're not needy, it's not, I'm your friend because I want you to give me something. I just want to be the best friend that I can be. I want to be a blessing to you, and so on and so forth. So listen to this for marriage, 1 Corinthians 7, 4. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. And really, this changes things with marriage. And this is a huge struggle in my life because, and I probably so many of you are like me, I care more about, more about myself than anybody. I mean, that's just how I was born, and I think we're all self-centered and selfish. That's part of our, our makeup. So we have to supersede that. And in marriage, uh, that's tough. I mean, you have to supersede it. When you're dating, it's kind of easy because you're trying to win the girl. But once you want her and you have her trapped in marriage, it's like, I don't have to do that anymore. And, and uh, now let's, you serve me. What do you say? Some grapes, a fan? Come on, let's, let's bring that on now. So <laughs> selfish by nature, OK? Um, here's the most important thing the husband can do. Most important thing. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. And so we're being told to love our wives like Christ loves the church. And this changed my, my marriage. And I'll tell you what, it's, it was really hard to do. And I just want to talk a little bit about it because if I just say love your wife like Christ loves the church and don't expound on it, we're all gonna fill in blanks. And I remember one day, God opened up my eyes to something that blew my mind. So I'll tell you a quick story about my daughters. Um, I told my daughters from the time they were little, and I'm not saying this is the correct age, it's just what I needed to be able to be saying, okay? So I told my daughters, I said, I'm not gonna allow you to go out on a date with a guy until you're 18 or out of high school. And they would just say, dad, that's like crazy. And I remember one day my daughter, Michelle, came to me. And she said, dad, why can't I date? Don't you trust me? I go, no, no, it has nothing to do with trust. I said, here, here and I'm, I've always, I feel your kids, if they know why you do something, even if they don't agree, they'll, they won't be bitter if they can understand why. So I said, honey, here's the problem. I was sexually active in junior high. I was even more sexually active in high school. I said, I was in locker rooms, and every guy friend of mine talked about trying to get in the girls' pants. I said, that's all we talked about in the locker rooms. I said, that was our goal. And, and so I said, your daddy has a problem that's connected to his past, and if I let you date t- too young before I think you're emotionally and, and mentally ready, I said, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown, plus I might kill the guy you date. <laughs> so I, I don't know what I'll do, but I may shoot him. So. You want to protect him, too. So, so when I told my daughters that, they were like, okay, that's cool, Dad. At least I, I don't agree with it, but I understand. And I used to say, you can bring your boyfriends over, or a, friend that, a guy you want to be friends with, bring them over to the house. They said, Dad, you will embarrass us. I am not going to do that. So they never brought their friends over. But I said all that to say this. For both my daughters, their first night they went on a date, at that 18, whatever age it was now, They went on their first date. I literally, the entire time, from the time they left the house till the time they got back, I paced. I couldn't sit down. I paced like a nervous wreck. My wife looked at me and she said, honey, you've been through catastrophic things in your life and you've had the peace of God on you. She says, I've never seen you like this in your your life. She said, what's wrong? I said, my daughter's out with a guy. (laughs) I said, he might touch her hand. (laughs) <laughs> I said I'm going pa- to and I could not sit down she couldn't calm me down I just paced I stood up and paced till my daughter came in that door and, and after that happened with both my daughters my God just opened my eyes up one day and he said do you realize your wife is my daughter it's like whoa I said you probably wanted to shoot me a few times <laughs> um, and then what's really weird about that is God's my father-in-law really okay so uh, so <laughs> That scared me. Okay. So I said that to just show you, guys, that's how precious we should treat our wives because that's God's daughter. And here's the top three reasons women have affairs. I thought this was fascinating. Number one, top reason, low self-esteem. If we love our wife like Christ loves the church, we'll build their self-esteem up. The second reason is emotionally starved. If we love our wife like Christ loves the church, we'll fill that emotional gap in their lives. And number three is anger because their husband had an affair, so they pay him back. And uh, those are the top three rem- reasons women have affairs. And I, I looked at this stat and said, I have to share it. And here's why I have to share it, because it can be avoided if we love our wife like Christ loves the church. So I got into this years ago, and I did a Bible study on how did Jesus love the church? And I came up with three characteristics. Every time I do a wedding, I mention them briefly. And I always say to the guy, I say, hey, or I say to the people, I, I'm, you're gonna think I'm picking on the groom, I'm not, the man is the head of the relationship and God puts the responsibility for its success on him. And that's why I'm gonna say more to him than I do to the bride. So here's the three ways Jesus loved us. Number one, Jesus initiated love in the relationship with us. The Bible says that he loved us first and we love him because he first loved us and that's how Christianity is. I read in my Bible what Jesus did for me and I say, whoa, whoa, and then I love him more. And then I read something else he did for me. I go, oh, I love him more. He initiated love. He, he loved us before we wanted him, before we loved him. And the husband is called to love his wife as the initiator, which means this, guys, we don't keep a list. And I was a good list keeper before I saw this. It's like I would say, it's your turn. I, would, I did three nice things for you, and you haven't done a nice thing for me since I've done three things for you. I'm not doing another nice thing till you do something nice for me. And I was keeping that list. And God opened my eyes up to this and just said, Joe, don't keep a list. Every day is a new day. You initiate love that day. And it's amazing what that will do for your wife when you begin to treat her that way. Here's the second one. Jesus loved us as we were. You know, the Bible says while we were still dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ Jesus died for us. We were a mess. And dying is the ultimate act of love. He gave his life. He loved us when we were like, just messy and, and, and sinful. And, and here's how I translate this to loving my wife. Guys, we're called to love our wives for who they are now. And, and I had another problem, and it was being critical. And when you're a detail person, you have to deal with being critical because I see all the details. So I see what's missing. I see what's not there. And so I had to learn not to be critical And this really helped me because I realized that if I just love her for who she is, and we're going to look at one more scripture, that will pull everything incredible out of her. And so I had to learn that. Number three, Jesus laid his life down. And that's the ultimate act of love. He gave his life for us. So, you know, how do you translate that into marriage? And I say this all the time when I talk about this. It would be easier to throw myself in front of a gun and take a bullet for my wife than to put her first every day. (laughs) And that's because I have to deal with that thing called selfishness. And guys, God's called us to love our wives like Christ loves the church, which means we put her needs ahead of ours. And I stand before you as a guy who has not perfected this. And uh, I offered Gina a hundred bucks to say I did. And she said it was going to cost a lot more than that. (laughs) So, um, but, but, but I've grown in it and I grow every day in it. So listen to this scripture, guys. This is the magic of what we can produce in in our wives. Ephesians 5, 26, Christ loves, uh, love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. His words bring out her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. This is the church, the Christians, and that is how the husband ought to love his wife. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. So we're to love our wife the same way Christ loves the church. And part of it is affirmation. And it's amazing when I learned this, I learned that if I can just say all these positive things and affirm my wife, that it brings these incredible things out of her. And guys, it's amazing what it will do. And a lot of you are already good at it. I just encourage all of us to go to the next level with it. And guess what? This same thing will work for your kids. And you can turn your kids into something special if you learn to speak positive words over them. Now, I want to talk to the wives. And uh, here's the most important thing a wife can do. And tell you just a funny story. I kind of alluded to it. Uh, I, I did. I took 60 guys so far through this discipleship group for all men. And once a month, we hang out together. So last night was the hangout night after church. And uh, so we get there and, and the majority of these guys were in service last night. So they just looked at me and they said, you threw us under the bus, Pastor Joe. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, the most important thing a woman, a wife can do is not what you said. It's the most important thing she can do is give us sex. And, and uh, I said, really guys? They said, yeah, you, you should have talked about sex. And, and uh, I said, all right, I'll throw it in today, you know, cause it is important, it's, it's very important. But I said, I wasn't going that direction in the message. They go, Pastor Joe, you've got to talk about it. Talk about it. I said, I'll talk about it. Get your wife uh, th- this service. She'll hear it. But uh, uh, listen to this. The most important thing a wife can do, Ephesians 5.33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And I, I say respect's the most important thing, but I'll, t- I'll, I'll tie it together. Here's what respect means honor and admire profoundly and respectfully to regard with respect tinged with awe and some of you ladies are saying that that can't happen uh, he, he he doesn't deserve it and and really you know no man does I don't deserve it you know that's why I'm transparent so you realize I don't deserve it but I get it and and when your wife respects you with that tinge of awe it changes everything you go home at night looking forward to go home because you know this woman adores me, she respects me. And over the years as I pastored this church, I'll tell you what, man, I've watched ladies humiliate their husbands in front of their husbands. And I've taken them aside with the husband and I, I've, I've sit them down and I say, you can't talk that way about your husband, but, but he does that. I'm like, yeah, but you have to respect him and show, I, I'll tell you what, if, if you did that to me, it, it would change immediately if my wife did that to me or, or something else would change. Things would change. You can't do that to your husband. That's bad. You have to show respect to them. And it's amazing what a man will do when you show them the proper respect. That's why I put it first. But let me talk about sex for a minute, guys. And everybody that was in first service said it was very tasteful. So um, hopefully I'll be just as good. I get a little looser in the second service, but I'll try my best. But here we go. In, in my 20s and 30s as a married man, we fought most of our fights over the frequency of sex. That was where most of our fights would over. I wanted sex more often, and, and we would just fight over it. And there were times when Gina said, you didn't marry a man, you married a woman. And I said, I know, but this is what I need. And then we'd get into these fights, and, and uh, they, they would just be hard to solve. And, and uh, I'd say, honey, this is a need in my life, and, and she'd look at me and say, but honey, I can't perform at that level all the time, and we finally learned that, uh, you know, we, we, could, we could compromise, and I could have my needs met without her having to perform at the highest level every single time, and you guys can figure that out, and that's all I'll say, but, but we, perf- we figured it out, but I, I am so glad I'm 54 now. I mean, it's like, it's like when I was in my 20s and 30s, and I'm not saying this for any reason but to try to help men out, all I could think about driving home is I hope I have sex tonight. And, and uh, that's all that I thought about. And, and, and now in my 50s, it's like, God, this is so peaceful. I'm so glad I could care less. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter. I'm just gonna go home and watch TV or something. You know, and it's a wonderful place to be. But if you're young and you have a young husband, it's, it's, it's an issue, and you have to talk that out. So that's really important to guys, and I think my guys would be proud of me in my group. I did talk about it. <laughs> I believe if you work these principles, everything changes. So let's pray. Father, I hope I did okay and didn't mess anything up, Lord, and I tried my best and, uh, to teach an incredible part of the Bible. And I thank you for every married couple here, Lord, every couple, that, every person. Lord, some of the marriages are strong and, they're, they're, and not, they're awesome. Some of these couples could get up here and teach. Lord, and then there's many that they're struggling. And I thank you that you gave us some direction out of the Bible today. And Lord, my prayer is that you would take these things and you would make them real to us and you would help us to communicate and take it further in our lives, Lord God and just to grow our marriage into something awesome lord god lord i pray your blessings i pray pray your help over every person that's in this room i pray your blessings over the couples that are in this room lord for those that are frustrated thinking it's gone too long it can never work it can never change let hope bubble up in their hearts and guys last night i was preparing for service and I'm still praying. I was preparing for service, and I, I just heard these words come up, and I felt I was to share them in every service. And, and I believe God gave them to me. And it just simply goes like this. If you take a step, God will do the rest. And some of you are looking, and you're overwhelmed with what needs to be done, and all God's asking you to do is take a step, communicate, communicate, bring in a third party, whatever it is. But that's a promise from heaven. If you take a step, God will do the rest. And so, Lord, I thank you for enhancing and improving all of our marriages and growing every single one of us in every area. And, Lord, we look to you as our help. And some of you sitting here right now that are married, if you have a frustration, would you pray and give it to God? Just whisper it. Say, God, I give this to you right now. And say, God, God, Help me do these things I need to do to make this marriage strong, peaceful, and stressless. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good. Can we just stay in prayer another moment? Can we bow our heads, close our eyes, and just stay in that attitude of prayer? If you're here and you came in and you weren't sure of your eternity... Maybe you came in not believing in God or not sure if you believe in God or you know being disillusioned with religion. Listen to me, everybody that's here that that you say, I'm not sure about my eternity. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. I'm not asking you to leave your church. But I'm asking you the most important question in all the Bible, and that is, what have you done with Jesus? Jesus is God the Son who died for the sins of the whole world. He freed us from the sin that we were trapped in because of Adam's sin. And he was raised up from the grave and the Bible declares that whoever accepts him, he'll save their souls. And the most important question in all the Bible is, have you given your life to Jesus and accepted him as Savior and have you begun to follow him? That gives you eternal life. That washes your sins away. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here and you say, Pastor Joe, I can't remember a day doing that. Today's your day. Would you pray with me? Everyone else in the house here, or they're going to pray with you. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I realize I'm a sinner. I repent for all my sins. And this day, I give my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I believe. I receive you as Savior. And I make a decision to follow you Amen. Thank you for listening to the Connecting Place podcast. For more information about Believers Church, visit believers.cc.